You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. Thursday, 14 December. Today in 1903, the Wright brothers made their first attempt to fly the Kitty Hawk. It didn't work, but it did eventually. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb Global Headquarters in Johannesburg, South Africa. Uh, a quick programming note, this is our last live show for the year. We have recorded shows for each day next week. They'll play out live and, of course, a podcast just after 7, then a two-week break, back 8 Jan. On the show today, Alex Dyson from Ball Wealth. That, that Thongela update, I mean, it's actually, you know, it's well within the guidance. I mean, even Transnet, kind of, but uh, Transnet's probably the issue there. Uh, we'll get some insights into that. Sandeli Malinga, uh, here of MNG Investments, multi-asset funds, and Kashpar Zwani on the ESCOM development plan. Can it help jobs? Can it help local manufacturing? The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines for MoneyWeb. Anglo's share price drop is overdone. It's down more than half since March, fueling speculation. It is ripe for a takeover. Market cap there, about $600 billion, which is about the same as what BAT is writing down. CNBC, Fed holds rates steady indicates three cuts coming in 2024, and that speech was dovish. Morning markets, US was green, S&P up 1.4%, and NASDAQ up one and a quarter. Over in the east, it's mixed, Sydney up 0.4, Tokyo down 0.4. Commodities, all green, gold, 2,048, Brent, 74.54, Platinum, 9.44, Palladium, $1,003 an ounce, Rand, 18.58, Bitcoin, 42,700, Tencent up 0.1% in the Hong Kong lunch break, and top 40 opening call, looking for a 530-point green open, that is 0.8% higher. MoneyWeb now, on the money. Also available on podcast. Tony now with uh, Alex Dates from Thumble Wolf. Alex, appreciate the early morning. The Thungela update yesterday. I mean, it's confirming its 2023 guidance uh, that despite continued challenges from Transnet, coal price, whilst well down on the peaks of last year, I mean, that, that's still up on, on sort of pre pandemic coal prices. So it's making good money. And your, your, your take on the update and if this is a, a stock worth having a look at. Good morning, Simon. Um, I think Tungela's update was probably slightly positive. Um, I think because at the last results, there was markets a bit spooked that they did a railway before it even be worse. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they are in the middle of guidance and so forth, I think not bad. Also from a cost guidance, they're a bit more on the lower end and also on the capex side. So I think that that on net positive. And of course, perhaps the see-through as well, the fact that the private sector is going to get much more seriously involved in Transnet. Because um, if we look at the numbers that was, was railed, Obviously down year on year, but it's also down over fifty percent from from uh, two thousand eighteen levels. Yeah, and it's also at thirty year lows. So it shows you the absolutely atrocious performance of Transnet. So the fact that this so-called coal industry group is coming together, uh, looking to invest in security, which is a major issue, mm-hmm. um, as well as trying to get spare parts by any means possible, um, even directly with the Chinese or by other means. So if they can be successful in that, then that will be a positive, certainly for Africa um, and for the coal industry. So I think that that's we really, that gives me some comfort in, in the business. But yeah, obviously, coal prices are are down materially. 
uh, both Regis Bay and, and, and Newcastle Cole. One thing to highlight here is that because um, Tengela has now bought this business in Australia, yeah, which has done actually quite well so far in Jim, they also now have exposure to um, the Newcastle Coal price, uh, not only on Regis Bay Coal price. And they do get a, a slight premium there due to fixed contracts and so forth. So it's a little bit different dynamics there. So that does help the business. It does seem like for the time being, we'll have to obviously wait and see how the performance is for Australian business over an extended period of time. For me, I think there are more positive than negatives in this update. Now, the balance sheet seems okay, but they are still going to spend a lot of money on, on, on CapEx. So the question really is, what is your view on coal? coal? And I think if you do believe that coal prices will increase from these levels going forward, then together is well positioned. But if you are bare on coal, they obviously will not be interested in the business. No, I, I take your point. It's going to be around that call. And I, I, I agree with him. There was some sort of positives coming out more than the, the negatives. And I mean, Transnet, obviously the biggie. And, and if coal industry can, I don't know, get that working themselves, then I think we've got a, a, a real plan there. Alex Dace and Thumbo Wealth really appreciate the early morning insights. There's no postponing the inevitable. Your money knew this day would come. And you know what? It can hardly wait to start giving some back to you. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on the money. Chatting with Sandili Malinga, he's CIO of Multi-Asset at M&G Investments. Sandili, appreciate the time today. Multi-asset funds become very popular locally, and these are simply funds that hold more than one asset. It can include equities, bonds, cash, and the like, and it can be offshore and or local. That's correct. Thanks, Simon. Thanks for having me. We would like to think of those funds as you go anywhere funds, especially mm-hmm. for clients with retirement needs in the case of high equity funds and income needs, but with a little bit of diversification and growth in the case of low equity funds. So, you know, for us, you know, these are flagship funds and really ones that should meet a lot of client needs as well. And that's partly the beauty of them is there's different mandates. You said a high equity fund, for example, or an inflation plus or something like that, depending on my need, I'm going to find one of these that fit for me. Are they dynamic inside? I mean, a high equity, would it always have a certain percentage equity or would that sort of fluctuate a little bit over time depending on conditions and valuations? Sure. I mean, we tend to apply a fairly long term horizon when we think about assets, partly because mm-hmm. it's quite difficult to know exactly where asset prices and returns are going to go in the short term. So. Yeah. M&G, as, you know, from a philosophical perspective, tends to want to operate in the medium to long term. Now, obviously, how you build a portfolio, you know, the possibilities are almost infinite. Mm-hmm. And our preference is to, um, which, you know, it sounds quite complicated, but really is just a term to describe what we would do in the portfolio if we've you know, thought that all asset classes across the world, including South Africa, are fairly valued and we didn't have a view on those. So it's almost like valuation anchor and your position in the portfolio. But, you know, as you've touched on, depending on the regime we're in, depending on what valuations are doing, and also depending really on risk appetite and risk aversion in the markets, the actual position in the portfolios will be quite different. So we tend to be very active 
and it's trying to, on the one hand, keep an eye on on the long term, mm-hmm. so know exactly what we want to achieve with these portfolios. So in the case of Inflation Plus, you know, we want to achieve uh, real returns for our clients over the medium to long term, and it's typically you know five percent and real before fees. But over the short term, we do find opportunities to be quite tactical. So you know, take a case in point on our funds over the last year, we have been, you know, rotating out of South African equities into global equities, as well as South African cash into global bonds in response to the cheapening of those assets relative to our assets and also in response to some of the RAND moves that we've seen. So we can be very tactical, but generally it will be around that, you know, sensibility of where we think in the long term we should position the portfolios. And what happens? We've been in a, in a high inflation and rising interest rate environment. Consensus is rates will start coming down next year. The debate is when, but let's assume that we will start to see some rates coming down. We've seen yields, for example, the US 10-year has come down quite markedly from the 5% high earlier in the year. Mm. Even in that falling interest rate environment, can a multi-asset fund still produce returns, particularly if it's a more focused towards inflation or perhaps yield? Yeah, absolutely. So we typically don't invest on the basis of forecasts. So mm-hmm. for us, you know, whether rates come down tomorrow or, you know, interest rates are cut in June is, you know, a second order consideration. Gotcha. We are, you know, focused on thinking about the valuation. So, you know, like you mentioned, those US treasuries, 5%, you know, nominal yield, is attractive for U.S. Treasuries. Firstly, you know, it's the first time in a very long time that you're being offered real yields for buying developed market yeah. debt. <laughs> and secondly, you know, you've seen a 500 basis point increase plus, you know, 525 basis point increase in U.S. short rates. So, you know, that increase in yields has restored value in those assets. So, you know, we would want to be exposed to those and either be overweight the asset class or overweight and or long duration, you know, in sort of a fixed income speak. And what that means is when yields come down, you will benefit from that because your sensitivity to falls in interest rates is higher when your duration is higher. So, you know, a multi-asset portfolio has the ability to do that. And we have sizable exposures to not only South African bonds in the portfolios, but global bonds as well, some of the emerging market bonds. And really, it's in response to the valuation rather than making a call on whether we think interest rates are going to come down or stay where they are. Point. It's around the valuation, which oftentimes is a hard enough number to pin down, predicting the future exactly. significantly exactly. harder. We'll leave it there. Sandili Meninga, CIO, multi-asset at MNG Investments. Appreciate the time. Your money knows that reaching new heights means turbulence. But what if you don't have to feel it? Our partnership with J.P. Morgan Asset Management gives you access to a broad range of global strategies. So when you invest in Stanlib's Global Multi-Strategy Diversified Growth Fund, your money can withstand the ups and downs caused by market fluctuations. Seek more returns at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on The Money. I'm talking with Kaspar Zwani, Divisional CEO at Actom. Kaspar, I appreciate the time today. The ESCOM Development Plan. I want to talk around some of that and how it can really support the country more broadly. But I suppose let's kick off for the listeners some of the details around that ESCOM Development Plan. 
The current development plan is what we call transmission development plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the current one being the 2022 to the 2032. That plan basically is looking at connecting up to 53 gigawatts of generation capacity that needs to be, of course, transmitted and distributed to the various consumers, mm-hmm. where main sources of this 53 gigawatts that needs to be part of this development plan comes from the renewable sources in terms of the energy generation. Mm-hmm. And looking at possibly funding requirements of between... 250 to 300 billion in that 10-year period. And one of the big issues here is going to be around job creation. South Africa has challenges. Energy is one of them. But unemployment is a huge challenge. Are we seeing enough from this development plan focusing on local employment? Very much. It's going to be crucial for any economy. Infrastructure becomes at the core of any economy's growth. And this development plan is no different. What we're looking at here as a positive to the economy is sustainable jobs. So these jobs need to come in the form of the construction jobs Mm -hmm. in the period. Also, manufacturing environment and the whole value chain. And thereafter, the maintenance and the support of the same infrastructure. So we need to talk to construction jobs, manufacturing and support and maintenance of the infrastructure as a long term in terms of the jobs that we're looking at. What's key, though, is the skills that needs to be developed, especially in the manufacturing sector, because construction jobs, construction projects have a timeline. So those jobs would start and stop based on the development. However, in the manufacturing and the after support, that's where then you're looking at more long-term and sustainability in terms of the jobs that are created. I take your point on the skills as well, particularly in that manufacturing and particularly in that maintenance, the post-time. And skills these days are a global commodity. We're going to have to work internally as a country to develop and build those skills for the future. Very much so. What has since happened as this program is starting to unfold, which which is a positive. ESCOM has developed a program where they are incubating smaller, call it engineering and procurement Mm. contractors, what we call EPCs, as part of ensuring that we have the skills enough to ensure that this plan can be executed with the right sets of skills and the capacity in the country as well, which is a positive in this case. Yeah, absolutely, because unemployment is one of our huge crises. Local manufacturing, is there a lot? I mean, obviously, there's some skills that need to be picked up there. We've got manufacturing sort of around the mining industry, but this is going to be different requirements. Do we have that capacity internally, or are we going to have to perhaps import or build that capacity along with the skills? We do have, but we need to be honest. Over the past four or five years, there has been a lack of spend in infrastructure in South Africa. And what has then since happened is that We've lost some skills Mm -hmm. um, through migration, which we've seen a lot of it, throughout the value chain, be it within the SOEs themselves, within the private sector. The capacity is there. It can be ramped up. What basically needs to happen is we need then the visibility and the detail of this plan in terms of the projects and the timelines, the funding arrangements, so that we as industry then could quickly ramp up because we have these factories that are lying dormant because of lack of activity over the years. So the capacity is there. It just needs to be ramped up at very high speeds 
which can happen. However, we just need then a bit more clarity and detail in terms of the execution of this TDP. Do you think, I mean, are we in, in a sense as ESCOM, but also more broadly as a country, I mean, this is a, a giant project, you know, over 10 years, 53 gigawatts, hundreds of billions of rands. Are we in, in that position at this point in 2023 where we are, I don't know, able to start the process and get it rolling, notwithstanding some challenges around skills and capacity? We need a bit of clarity in terms of policy. As you might be aware, there are some issues around the current preferential procurement policy of Mm -hmm. of the country. And those are some of the challenges then that stand before the local industry, be it manufacturing and construction, if these policies are not clear. Because the lack of clarity then in this regard opens the market up for outsiders, if I may use that word, Mm -hmm. and then it starts creating a bit of challenge for the local industry. These policies also have to be clear in a sense that there has to be a set aside for local manufacturing, for local skills and local capacity to give a bit of protection, for lack of a better word, to the local industry. And once we can get this clarity around these policies and, and the regulatory environment, it will go a long way in easing then the process and also ensuring that businesses, private businesses can invest in the capacity, be it in the manufacturing, and also in terms of ensuring that we invest in training and developing the right skills to support the execution. Yeah, because the long-term implications, not just for power, which is important, but for the economy and the country as a whole, are crucial. We'll leave it to Kaspar Zwani, Divisional CEO, Actom. I really appreciate the time today. That's it for today. I was chatting with uh, Alex Forsyth-Thompson yesterday. He's CEO of Float. We're talking about buy now, pay later. The fact that it doesn't get record reported to credit bureaus. So I could... I mean, I could wrap, rack, rack up I mean, just almost unlimited amount of, 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 of debt and then uh, find myself in huge trouble. We asked if you have used it, the buy now, pay later. The vast majority has said, nope, you haven't, and you don't really particularly plan to. Of those who have used it, half of you said, yeah, you used it, it worked, you like it, and you will use it again. Uh, third said that you haven't uh, and that you're not particularly keen for it. Some of you then said that you've tried it and it was a mess. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and X. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning, the MoneyWeb website and the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast just after 7. Huge thanks to my team, Eddie, Nobuchle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their time. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again Monday, ETFs, year in review. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.